Hello folks, welcome to another week of Bible study on the book of Revelation. You are listening to the Last Days Ministry from WGM Church. Let us begin this week's study first with the words from Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Last week, uh, we went over the introduction to Revelation. Today, we will study the words starting with um, chapter 1, verse 4. One particularly important word from last week, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. These words, I hope you all receive the blessing today, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Then let us start our search from chapter 1, verse 4. I will read up to verse 7. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, Amen. The fact that there is an Amen 
in the word of God, it means that no one can stop this from happening. It also means, so be it. In chapter 1, verse 4, we see the number 7, and the seven churches, the seven spirits. When we look at Isaiah eleven two, it talks about the seven spirits, right? The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Seven spirits are shown. And then in Revelation 1, verse 20, seven stars appear, seven angels. Then there are seven golden candlesticks. And at the end, seven vials, seven trumpets, and seven seals appear. Then there are seven characters. The number seven. Americans call it lucky seven. We can see that God's work is related to the number seven. Now consider this, a week contains seven days, correct? It is also said that the cells in the human body have a lifespan of seven years. And there are seven colors. Aren't there seven colors in the rainbow? Then there are seven notes, seven musical notes. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti. But what is really interesting is that the human pulse loosens every seven days. Sure, why? Taking a break, perhaps. So in the same sense, the pianos and instruments we know well have seven keys. Gentiles, however, who do not know God, their number is based on ten. However, if we turn to Leviticus 23 or 25... It talks about the Sabbath, the seventh day, and the eighth day, the seventh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. In the end, we can see that God's word is based on seven, not in tens. And I, I hope you will study this verse while knowing that the number seven is God's number as a reference. When we look at verse five, it's about Jesus Christ. After all, based on the age in which the Apostle John lived, wasn't Jesus Christ a prophet in the past? Didn't Jesus testify of the truth when he came in the flesh while walking on this earth with John and the other disciples? He always taught the word. He taught the word of truth just like the prophets of old. Pontius Pilate asked Jesus about why he came about during his trial. The Lord replied, he came to testify of the truth. Pilate said, what truth? What is truth? Did the Lord answer him? When Pilate asked what the truth was, he didn't ask because he genuinely wanted to know the truth, but he was criticizing the Lord's words. Even now, many people laugh at us when we talk about the Word of God. To such people, God does not teach them His Word. Instead of living out the rest of their lives in vain, they should humbly ask God, I am nothing. I want to know the Word of God. 
And to those who speak like this, the Holy Spirit helps them to understand the word of truth through the spirit of the prophet. So wasn't Jesus a prophet while Apostle John was still alive? He was a prophet until ascension. He is now sitting on the throne in heaven and sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for God's children as the high priest. From the Apostle John's point of view, he was a priest in the past, and at the time of the Apostle John's writing these words, he is a high priest, and he will come as a king in the future. Therefore, we have to realize here what the will of the past, present, and future is. And when the king comes, he will sit on the throne of David. For example, in Matthew 25, verse 31 and 32, the Lord said, Son of man. The son of man is when Jesus came in flesh, in human form. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, now this is His second coming to earth, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. We talk a lot about sheep and goats, don't we? Matter of fact, the real distinction between sheep and goats is what the Lord says here when he comes and sits on the throne of David in Jerusalem, on the throne of glory, bringing together all the nations to judge them. And there is also the word that the Lord has promised his disciples of the times of regeneration when he comes. Matthew chapter 19 verse 28 the disciples said this, What will you give us when we have left everything and followed you, Lord? The Lord replied, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the generation when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Certainly when the Lord returns, the twelve apostles will sit on sit with the Lord on the thrones and judge the twelve, twelve tribes of Israel. This regeneration is when the when this earth will be totally new again. In fact, in Genesis 3:15, the Lord said this unto the devil, the serpent, the woman's seed will bruise your head. You will be destroyed. He said this and then went over to Adam and said, Because you have done this, the earth will be cursed and will be covered with thistles and weeds. From now on, you will have to break sweat. You will have to labor in order to eat. The earth became the first to be cursed because of the first sin. The earth was cursed and the spirit of man died. The soul was also cursed. The body was also cursed. Those who were created perfectly in the image of God became cursed. That is why the Lord first said 
that he came to destroy the works of the devil. Because in order to first renew the spirit, soul, and body of those who are cursed on this earth, the cause of sin must be wiped out. The devil's job is to deliver sin and kill. The Lord said, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John 10 verse 10 Therefore the writer of Hebrews says, that the Lord came and first imputed all the sins of the world to his own body. And he who is God, who cannot die, who has a sinless body, has overturned the sins of life, the sins of all people, past, present, and future, ultimately tasting death. That is why people who believe in Jesus Christ are born again, their souls are saved, and their bodies change when the Lord comes back into the air and is raptured. People are first to become new in the regeneration. Titus 3 verse 5, the washing of regeneration. Regeneration means being born again. It is God's will for man to be born again, to be renewed, and then to renew the earth. So the Lord completely renews the heavens and the earth that have been defiled by sin and the devil. God destroys the devil. This is God's will. Also the word of the promise that the Lord will come as king is in Luke chapter 1 verse 31 to 33, which we know very well. And this is the promise that the angel Gabriel made when he told Mary the good news that she would conceive the Messiah, Jesus. And he told her, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. God said that to David also, I will strengthen your throne forever. But wasn't David's throne completely destroyed, brought to an end by Babylonian kingdom? It was done for, right? But when the Lord, who comes as David's seed, his offspring, the root of Jesse comes again, he will sit again on the throne of Israel where David sat, reigning eternally. This is the prophecy that the Lord will come to this earth as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Sadly, though, it is unfortunate to see so many people denying this. The Apostle Paul made it clear that in 2 Timothy 4 verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. 
Now, if we look at verse 5, we see Jesus is the first begotten of the dead. This is not a rebirth. It is the first birth, not firstborn, but first begotten. What this means is God the Creator, God the Word, God the Son, God the only begotten Son appeared on this earth in flesh in human form. But he died for our sins. But he died and then rose again. And when the Lord returns soon, he will come again in great glory. He will come as a son of man, human form again. This coming Lord never dies. Mystery indeed. The word of the Creator became a man, and he who died and rose again, this time he will never die. This is the first begotten. Prophet Moses died also and was resurrected, and he appears in the book of Revelation, but he dies again. Also in the city of Nine, the son of the widow died and the Lord raised him to life. But later on, he also died again. Mary's brother Lazarus was raised from the grave by the Lord. The Lord saved him while he was a smelly, rotting corpse. But Lazarus eventually died again, right? Jonah actually died in the belly of the fish. And we can see that his soul prayed. He also came back to life and preached unto Nineveh but we can see that he died again. But our Lord is a God who never dies. The true eternal God, the truly mysterious one, the perfect man, the Lord who comes, the Lord who became a man because of us sinners. The book of Zechariah says, when the Lord returns, the Jews will look at the pierced Lord and weep. Why? They will see his nail marks and spear piercing. They did not know that the one whom they pierced was God who became flesh. But the scene of them realizing this and weeping comes out in Zechariah 11 and 12. Beyond chapter 13, the fountain that washes away all uncleanness and sins is opened in Jerusalem. And when they repent, it becomes, a, it becomes the National Day of Atonement. We will see the Day of Atonement in the law. The eternal Day of Atonement, and thus, the work of the Israelites being saved again. Now, as we see in Revelation 1, verse 6, And hath made us kings and priests. The saved children of God were made kings and priests. For Christians living in this age, those who have received the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, must act as priests. In the age of law, when the people sinned and brought an animal to die in their place, the sinner put his hand on the beast, and when he himself slaughtered the animal and caused it to bleed out, the priest takes it and offers it as a burnt offering. The same is true 
When sinners come to visit Christians, to be counseled and talk with them, when they confess that they are sinners, there is no need to slaughter animals anymore, right? He died for your sins, instead like the lamb 2,000 years ago. You have to only trust him. By doing so, you are a priest. In the old days, the priests would continue to sacrifice, chop up all the animals as their white robes are continuously stained red with blood. It was hard work. But we truly believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the dead on the third day. If you believe in this Jesus, your sins will go away and you will be saved now. You must act as the priest like this. There were no chairs upon entering the tabernacle in the old times. The priests could not sit down. The same is true. Instead of a time to rest, today's Christians were also made to live on this earth so that they could stand up and save at least one more person while they are living on this earth. Otherwise, there is no need to be on this earth. There is no need to live in a sinful world. Therefore, what the Lord has done on earth and what he has done in heaven now, as priests, will be directed by the high priest, and we will have to bear witness of the gospel to many people. That's how we become kings in the future. Revelation 5, verse 9 and 10. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our king, unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. The Bible says on the earth, when the Lord comes, he will reign on the earth. This is why when the Lord reigns for millennium, earth, we will rule together. The Apostle Paul also said in 2 Timothy 2.12, that if you endure, that is, if you suffer together with the Lord, you will reign with him. And when the 1,000-year period is over, the great white throne judgment will come. When the New Jerusalem appears in heaven after the last judgment, we will leave this earth and live with the Lord in New Jerusalem forever. Wonderful New Jerusalem. We will study about it later on. This wonderful New Jerusalem isn't just heaven. Do we not know how big this place we're going to live in? What it's made out of? And what condition it's in? Sadly, many people just say, Oh, when I die, I'll end up in heaven. Such vague belief of going to heaven after death cannot overcome the world. 
when we know the Bible and hold on to the promises God has given us. Those words are the same words that created the heavens and the earth. Those, are the, those words are the same words that holds the heavens and the earth together. So then can't those same words hold on to our tiny bodies? When these words take hold of us, we can live a life of power just like the early church members of the past. During the reign of Emperor Nero, many people were wrongfully burned at the stakes. They also became food for the wild beasts. They sang hymns while burning to death. As the lions were heading to devour them, among the tortured ones said, Lion, hurry up and eat me. But I have a favor to ask. Eat my head first. Only then can I meet the Lord quickly. I'd be more slow and painful if the lion ate the legs first, right? Starting at the legs will take too long to meet the Lord. I will meet the Lord sooner. So if the lion eat my head first. The Book of Martyrs by John Fox contains events from the Dark Ages when the Roman Church persecuted saints of God. Awaiting his execution, staked in a pile of firewood, a dying martyr said to the executioner, Bring in more firewood and douse me with the oil so that I can die quickly and meet the Lord. Now, during this, some executioner fainted while another had a chance to believe in the Lord. Now let's move on to verse 7. Revelation 1 verse 7 again. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Everyone on earth shall mourn. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Now this event is not the rapture. This is the second coming. The rapture is when the Lord appears in the air and takes away only the believers, like a thief. The thief comes along during the dark night. A thief only takes goods like diamond rings, jewelry, or cash, right? So likewise, when the Lord comes, the children of the Lord are like his jewels, pearls, precious gemstones. He'll take away the children who have suffered on this earth. Everyone who hears his voice, come up hither, that phrase, shall come back to life. The Bible says the dead in the grave will rise and the living will be changed. Today's word is about the second coming of Jesus. But the rapture is a mystery that only appears to those who have received salvation. Therefore, he is riding down on clouds to judge the earth. Zechariah 12 verse 10 says, They, these are the Jews, And they shall look upon me, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him. The Jews of Israel told the Romans to crucify the Lord. So Pontius Pilate said, That man is not guilty. 
bear that sin unto yourselves. So the Jews replied, His blood be upon us and our children. So ever since then, how much has the Jews suffered during the past 2,000 years? So when the Lord comes, they will cry over the wounds they have pierced. They'll realize it is Jehovah, it is God, and the only begotten Son who has come, who come as a man, and they shall look on me. Our Lord, who is one with the Father, is in me, and the Father in me. In other words, it's like the coming of Jehovah again. That is why they will mourn. Matthew 26, 64, the Lord himself said, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. It's same as the verse 7, what he told Apostle John in Revelation 1, 7. Now let's move on to chapter 1, verse 8. Now here we see that the Lord speaks again. And he says there is a beginning and the end, and he is also mighty, almighty. Jesus Christ testifies that he himself is the almighty God. Our God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, the perfect trinity, we can clearly see they are one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. This verse is missing from various revised versions of the Bible. However, in the King James Version, chapter 5, verse 7 is clear, clearly shown and the Trinity is clearly stated. Now the Lord said this in Matthew 23, verse 9, And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Now he said that there is only one father, God the Father in heaven. However, in this day and age, there is a man on earth who is called Holy Father. As mentioned in the verse, only Heavenly Father can be a father, right? Now, of course, a biological father, your dad, is also a father. However, no one can be a father who refers himself to God, especially that Holy Father in Vatican. We are warned never to call them Father on this earth. The people ranked below the Pope are also called priests, right? People still refer them as fathers also. In fact, they shouldn't to be able to distinguish this very well. Now, let's go out a little bit more today. Let's look at verses 9, 10, and 11 for a moment. Revelation 1, 9, 10, and 11. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom of kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
Patmos, he was in the Holy Spirit. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice, as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and last, the first and the last, and what thou seest write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamus, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Verse 10 says what he was, uh, verse 10 says that he was in the Holy Spirit. All Christians are in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in every Christian. If you believe in Jesus Christ and are saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. It appears in 1 uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Colossians 2, and Romans 6, and Romans 8. This expression here is a, a bit special. Revelation 4 verse 2, And immediately I was in the Spirit. The word of being in the Spirit is found in Revelation 4 too. But this means Apostle John 4 saw what would happen 2,000 years into the future. Is the Holy Spirit eternal? There is no past, present, or future. Always present. The future is the present. The present is the present. And the past is the present. That is why the Apostle John now hears the letter, the letters he sent to the seven churches in the Holy Spirit through a loud voice like a trumpet. And now we see what he wrote. Okay, everyone, we'll stop here for today. Now is the time to be saved. Everyone, when you accept Jesus Christ at this time, all your sins and even the sins of murdering people are washed away. Even if you pay the full price of your sins, even if the government of the world will not forgive you, because our Lord has paid for all our sins, when we accept Jesus Christ, all our sins are gone. And when we believe in Jesus Christ, who has taken away the sins of the world, you are saved now. This is a gift. This is because God himself worked out all salvation. So not believing this is a sin. Not believing in Jesus Christ is a sin. All other sins are covered by the Lord. So please believe in this truth. Confess that you're a sinner and accept the Lord. If you are moved by these words at this time, we will pray together. Thank you, Lord God. I am a sinner. I believe now that Jesus Christ died on the cross for all my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. Forgive me all my sins. Come into me so I can be born again of the Holy Spirit. And as my soul and as, as my body now looks on to the day of the coming of the Lord as I live with the hope of living in these words, please help me to overcome the world through faith, to be free from all curses and sins, to live a life of righteousness and to go forth 
to the blessed places that leads all others onto the path of righteousness. I wasn't sure until now, but at this time I accept the Lord wholeheartedly. I believe in you, Lord. Save me right now, and may the Lord be glorified. May the blood shed by the Lord, Jesus Christ, be glorified. I thank you and pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining in. We'll see you next week. Have a blessed day.